0: That I've kind of fed you that Yeah you
1: did <laughs> my, my own agenda Straight into it didn't I as well But yes it, it, I mean the The
2: interesting thing is...
0: Hello and welcome to episode 70 of Rockstar CMO FM The M is the marketing and the F It's the well you decide As you're probably wondering Does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host Ian Truscott and this podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career as a senior marketer and trusted advisor and hopefully through these conversations share some marketing street knowledge that will bring out the Rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello, we are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday the 9th of July, I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. A slightly different format this week. Regular listeners will know that Jeff Clark is away. One of my planned interview guests sadly had a last minute emergency. And after 60 consecutive weeks in our Rockstar CMO virtual bar, Robert Rose needed to take a break from trying to convince me to drink tequila to get some work done. But stick around. As I discuss a marketing one-to-watch one-hit wonder or ball with my chum Keith Smith, I'll share a thought in a new segment that I'm calling Think About It. And we hit rewind, listen back to when I was in the bar with Robert this time last year, which I hope is new to many of you. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment, where we discuss whether a marketing topic, trend or technique is one to watch, a one-hit wonder or wonder wall. Today, I'm joined by Keith Smith, who is the Managing Director of The Advertis, the UK's only independent new business platform that helps agencies build their new business pipeline. And as you'll hear, he is also the host of the Fuel podcast, which is focused on business development, as well as great guests from around the world of agencies and advertising. Welcome, Keith, back to Rockstar CMO FM. It's been a while. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm very well, Ian. Good to good to see you and hear you again. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, mate. I'm doing all right. Um, so you're in the hot seat for Jeff
0: Clark this week, who's taken a bit of a break. That's some big, shoes. Uh, and we're back. Big shoes, yeah. So we're back to. Um, we, I, I wanted to do a, a one-hit one. No, what is it? One to watch, one-hit wonder, or wonderwall with you? Right. Um, and 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 for the and let's start with for the people that, that haven't heard you at the episode when I interviewed you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh,
1: okay, well, I um, I have two two uh, roles. Which uh, the first one is as uh, managing director of um, the uh, new business sales platform, the Advertist. Um, which Nine mm-hmm. for marketing agencies um, to be able to uh, find new clients and uh, new business, and the second is the host of the the second best podcast on the block, which is <laughs> fuel and uh, that's a, a, a new business podcast and um, we very much try and emulate the uh, the, the cracking style that you've do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're too kind and you are too kind to me on that podcast as well but I will include a link to it in the show notes it, it is it, if, if you're into business development definitely have to listen to you mate but also you cover a whole bunch of topics and I think maybe we should talk about your podcast on another episode but what I wanted to get you on to talk about is we're just coming out of or in the middle of or whatever's going on with this bloody pandemic mm-hmm. but virtual selling has been on the lips of everybody right now for you as sort of my go-to business development expert what what say you about this is this is this something that's just going to be is something we need to watch or is it going to be a one-hit wonder and we're all going to go back to physical meetings or is it a wonder wall and it's here to stay what do you think
1: uh no i think i think where we are now is that the the biggest problem um and something that uh I've, i've been both chastised and praised for saying is that um (laughs) we're 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 being very very keen to try and get back to what we thought was normal and a lot of the habits Mm -hmm. that got us that that sort of got us into this situation need to be avoided and and you know crowds and things like that can all you know i think everybody's a little bit paranoid now about meeting crowds and stuff so virtual selling or or selling through you know on online if you will you know meeting clients like like we're doing right now um mm-hmm. is is very much going to be you know sort of the uh, the the sort of standard um and uh um, you know uh, as uh, with my advertist hat on the sales development platform mm-hmm. um yeah we take we take it very seriously so uh, so yes it's um it's something that people need to develop an, a new skill set for
0: yeah, and how's that development gone with the with your with your clients and how you know your own business has gone? Mm-hmm. Has, has that sort of move to being virtual sellers been a, a natural, seamless one? What what have you seen with with the folks you talk to?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, we get to talk to a lot of people who are on the front lines of, of mm-hmm. development and stuff. So, I think that the the kind of the overriding uh, sentiment is is really just um, that, you know, we are trying to, um, we are trying to be a bit more, um, aware of how we're selling and what sort of Mm -hmm. what we're doing. But, you know, we need to, we need to remember the fact that when you're selling, you need to adopt the language and the posture and everything else of the, the buyer. So if the buyer doesn't want to meet in person, or if the buyer wants to meet on screen, Mm. or, you know, things like that, you need to be able to, um, to work to those sort of, um, to that, that kind of methodology. So, you know, more and more buyers are coming through, um, sort of marketing procurement and they're used to doing business in a completely different way to, you know, the way that Mm. was, was brought up to, you know, to sell. So it's important to know sort of what medium they use, um, and to have, in as in your language to have the right content to be able to um to you know to 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 reach out to them at the right time through whatever channel they do so mm-hmm. you know jokingly obviously you know it'd be an idea to have a TikTok version and a LinkedIn re- ready yeah, of, your, yeah. of your presentation
0: yeah so do you think that um so when I'm listening to that I'm thinking there's a sort of a n- negotiation or an empathy really with how how as a salesperson you're going to need to discover how that buyer wants to interact and do it right because there are going to be some people that are going to be a little bolder than others and some people that are thinking oh well no this virtual selling thing's working for me I mean I read a tweet the other day which I completely agree with because I, I I took my daughter to lunch the other day all ordered on my all ordered on my phone I didn't need to go to the bar and do anything it all came to the table I thought I like this <laughs> right and um so the way that and i wondered whether it was the same in terms of the people now are used to virtual selling and they are being sold to virtually and they're going to want to carry on with that is that is there going to be a new skill for the sales guy to figure that out
1: i think this is just part of the you know the the the, the role of of doing new business or to you know the role of mm-hmm. selling is that you need to be able to identify. I don't think it's very difficult to be able, you know, in a, a quick exchange on, say, LinkedIn, to be able to say, how would you like to meet? Yeah. You know, would you do you want to do it via yeah. Zoom or, you know, video call or whatever? But, you know, yeah. I think the the from a corporate perspective, it's different because companies are now seeing that they don't need to have mm. a field sales team out there with massive expense accounts and that this job can yeah. actually be very, very cost effective when it's done through this you know using technology that, that we've all got available so you know it's, it's basically yeah. it's the same process that we've always used which is questions mm-hmm. tech you know, question technique and and, and empathy and mm-hmm. identification and all that it's just now we've got the technology to be able to do it and so But now you've got the added thing, um, which we can come on to, which is the, the personal branding part of it, which I think is important now as a, as a salesperson.
0: All right. Uh, So you're saying that salespeople need to now start to present themselves better on social and virtually. So they get recognized by the customer. Is that what you're saying?
1: When I talk about the the salespeople having a personal brand, I think it's important because, Mm um, that that old adage about people by the seller and not the salt. Um, mm-hmm. That it's about who you hang with as a salesperson. Where you are, you know that that if I'm, you know, if if I'm um, working with a, a, an agency and that agency has um, strengths and you know wants to develop more customers in, let's say, the healthcare sector, yeah. then I have to reflect that I know what I'm talking about. So the company I. Mm -hmm. you know it has to have that too so we are very much Mm -hmm. judged by the 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 company we keep online because it's also very Mm -hmm. transparent these days so you know the personal Mm -hmm. brand is very very important because that's where your credibility comes from
0: Mm, absolutely and um and I think you were talking about this with um Ted Rubin who's been on this podcast and was on yours and in that it doesn't take us much time anymore to research the person we're going to talk to, and that works on both sides of the buying process, right? So, yeah. if you're if you're going to um, start chatting to a buyer, they they may look you up on LinkedIn and they're going to want to know that you're the person you say you are, you're the credible person you say, say you are.
1: Uh, uh, yes, absolutely, and and woe betide you if you have to ask a dumb question like what mm. what do you do or how long have you been there because all this information is yeah. there. For them to find, for you to find yeah. out, anyway. So, I think, uh, and Ted's absolutely yeah. right. You know, a lot of these questions get answered before. So, this is a question. It's a question now of being able to develop a relationship, develop a rapport that that, yeah, you know, that they they know that you are what you say you are.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, I, from a from a personal vanity perspective, I mean, I I was an industry analyst for a short period of time. And he used to drive me nuts when I, was, when I was analyzing vendors or, you know, comparing vendors or getting briefings from vendors. Mm-hmm. And they talked to me and they wouldn't know anything about me, whereas I'm all out there, you know, what I mean, on LinkedIn and stuff. So uh, and and you're starting from scratch, whereas if you do a little bit of research into the person you're going to talk to, you can start from a point of, oh, we both know the same person. Or I see you're interested in this from your blog or, the, or anything like that. Absolutely. There's that research we can do virtually now, is it? And
1: there? I had a a great um a great show for our our fiftieth, which um with mm-hmm. um, with a guy called John Asperian, who was uh, a LinkedIn yep. the LinkedIn and, expert and dude. He, yeah, he had a a fantastic little trick, which is um, just basically to in your your profile on LinkedIn. To bury down at yeah. the bottom a special phrase or a word yeah. or something else like that that says when you introduce yourself or drop this word in then I know you've read everything that, yeah. that I've got that I've put out there and it's very important to do that to be aware of that and you know a good salesperson would would go on to would go on to would speak to John and say you know by the way mm-hmm. do you have any pineapples and then John would know that he'd read his <laughs> profile yeah. I've given away John's special yeah. now but there we go.
0: You have, yeah. <laughs> but
1: there is a. Um, it's very important for you know for the sales process to to have um, credibility, and I think mm-hmm. this where we've where we've come from and where we're going to is going to very much matter on uh, you know how credible we are in our given industries. Mm.
0: But when you're virtual selling, I mean, what I've noticed with with Zoom meetings replacing physical meetings is you've, you, you really just get down to business, don't you? The Zoom meeting starts, most people are on time, unlike physical meetings where you go and have a coffee or hang out in the kitchen for a bit and do this stuff. And then the agenda starts and then you're off and you miss some of that soft stuff. Is it the same in a – do you think that's the same in a sales situation as well? I mean, I haven't experienced it um, so much, but – from your experience and your clients' experience, how are how are they replacing that soft, touchy-feely stuff by working virtually?
1: Well, the, by soft, I, I, I guess you 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 mean like the you know the the relationship side of it. The the yeah yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe maybe that's hard, not soft. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think that that the um that's all part of. I don't think there's a delineation between. Okay, well we're online now so we can only talk about business. Yeah. I think the fact that we are online and the amount of meetings that I've had online where a cat's walked across in front of the camera, or mm. a kids walked in mm. or something else like that, that's all part of the the, genuine, yeah. the soft sell and you know I've been introduced to people's kids you know online mm. which has just been fantastic you get to meet the family yeah, or yeah. you get to see you know, sort yeah. of what what their their kind of um, their their home office looks like you know, and all their personal mm-hmm. mementos and things like that. Very interesting. Quick point here. Yeah. Um, he's um, not often spoken about in in positive terms in terms in the US. Um, but Andrew Jackson, mm-hmm. who was the nineteenth mm-hmm. president of the US, I um, yeah. went to went to uh, went to his house once, um, and uh, in, in uh, Nashville, and he has a room or had a room. Obviously, he's dead now, but he had a. Room <laughs> As you walked into the house, it was a beautiful little house, but he had a room off to the left hand yeah. side where guests were always ushered into before he, he came to meet them. And in that room were all personal mementos like a, a, a sword that he'd been presented with, or, you know, uh, some yeah. you know, some, some sort of personal things that people could see yeah. that were then identifiable to him. And I think that's a very good um analogy for what needs to happen online right to have those things available so they they become talking points
0: that's interesting because a lot of people are um, nervous about that aren't they and they have the fake zoom backgrounds and they they blur everything out or they and then, then then things appear from the ether when when you have those then when they have those funny funny backgrounds but you are bringing more when you're working from home you're bringing more of your whole self aren't you to the conversation to work to the sales call whatever it is
1: yeah I mean I can I can still remember the 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 awkwardness that was that we were greeted with when if we went away on a mm. staff on a company bino or something and uh, or an exhibition yeah. and then in the evening everybody would come down in their normal sort of street yeah. attire and you'd be like oh wow you are okay. actually a person you know and it's just so yeah, like, yeah. all that has now gone and we're now able to kind of mm-hmm. present. You know, a three hundred and sixty of ourselves. You know, sort of in in a an online environment, yeah. and I think that's very, very important. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. So, so from a what else have you
0: picked up? Do you think from a virtual selling perspective? So, uh, you did touch on content just a moment ago, which I really should have seized on, like a <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> get, yeah. grabbed you for that bit. <laughs> but where where do you think? So I mean there's a lot of talk at the moment i I think that this is the trend anyway about virtual selling isn't it that the, pe- the particularly where I work in b2b people are making the decision long before they've met the sales guy or making a big portion of that decision yes. is that also something that you're seeing in terms of virtual selling that blurring of between marketing and sales
1: absolutely I mean I think that I've kind of fed you that yeah you did <laughs> my own agenda I straight into it and I as well but yes it, it, I mean the the interesting thing is that I mean from a content marketing perspective is that you are now becoming frontline sales as well at the same time mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's important that salespeople are kind of quasi or quasi whatever what's the what's the how do you say is it crazy quite crazy <laughs> qua, qua, quasi. I don't know quasi, quasi PR quasi, people yeah yeah whatever quasi marketing PR salespeople uh, because it's yeah. all kind of one thing now, you know. the The, the selling mm. process is a little bit of PR with a sprinkling of marketing, a little bit of content in there, yeah. you know, all to all to do yeah. the same. That everything has to do with trying to bring the customer to the table. It doesn't matter whether yeah. it' public relations, whether it's content marketing, whether it's influencer marketing. Mm. It's all designed to do yeah. the same thing, which is to, to to get the customer to the table. And uh as I think as your, your recent guest on your podcast said, you know, to, to to that their aim is to to get their money in your pocket.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. There was that was Jeff a couple of weeks ago when we were talking <laughs> about um a brand purpose their purpose is to make your money my money <laughs> which is quite frank <laughs> for a brand
1: purpose but I mean, mean, let's be um, honest but, um, that's, that's what the process is about yeah. you know but it has to yeah, be enjoyable yeah, yeah. it has to be enjoyable for both people to do it so, yeah you know i think let's let's just yeah. have all out
0: yeah, and the blurring of the roles, I like, because it also points at the personal branding thing you were saying about sales. You can't do personal branding unless you've, you've been fed the content and the, the education from the marketing guys in order to, to present yourself in that way, that credible way. But similarly, marketing depends on sales because we're now becoming salespeople, right? So the, there's, a, there's a symbiosis emerging of, of what everybody needs to be doing, right?
1: Yeah, but this isn't a case of of trying to present yourself as something you're not. I, you know, people buy mm-hmm. from people they that they trust and they know. And as Ted Ted Rubin yeah. quite rightly said, um, that yeah. you you have to be there after the event. It, it's 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 yeah, yeah. It's more about what you're doing, uh, sort of after the after you've made that sale or whatever. So mm. it's important mm-hmm. that you do immerse yourself in 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 your client's business so that Mm. they do understand Mm. Mm, i love it so um that's excellent um i shall have to
0: draw it to close and noticing the time but i think i would know the answer so so is virtual selling a one to watch one hit wonder or wonder wall
1: well it has to be a wonder wall doesn't it
0: doesn't it just? Okay, so we'll be playing out with Blur. Um Blur Oasis, <laughs> wonderful oh, um, Keith... Gallagher will not be happy at that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he listens to this show. So Keith, as a guest on the show, uh when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they gonna find
1: you? Um, easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um I'm uh, just easy to find through uh, the fuel podcast. Um, or you can go to yeah thefuelpodcast.com or theadvertist.com or you can email me um, keith at theadvertist.com that's a-d-v-e-r-t-i-s-t.com
0: splendid and i'll include all the links in the show notes thanks mate and um, hope to get you back on the podcast very soon cheers take care
2: see you today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you you now.
0: keith virtual selling is definitely a wonder all, and that's definitely my oasis and i will of course include all his links in the show notes and with no guest slot this week i wanted to share a thought for the week in a new segment that i'm calling think about it possibly just so i could drop a bit of patra and Lincoln. <laughs> This week, I'm thinking about the opportunity for free content. Right now, there's an increasing rush and growing platform opportunity to monetize content. Quite fairly, of course, the mainstream media is making the same transition as we no longer consume news by buying newspapers. And if you have a reasonable audience, today's hustle culture suggests you'd be a fool not to make moolah on the back of it. I mean, what kind of content entrepreneur are you? Led by platforms like Patreon, it seems all the spaces we rent to park our content, like Medium, are offering paid subscriber models. Twitter is getting into it with their acquisition of Review, and Apple will enable podcasters to offer a subscription service to their listeners. However, what got me thinking about this was that I recently... Dis- pointingly discovered that a newsletter blog post that I dip into from time to time, written by someone who's mildly well-known in the industry, and I've followed on Twitter from literally the start, had gone subscription. I only occasionally read it, as it's not always relevant to what I do, so to subscribe was enough friction for me to stop consuming that content. Now, before you write in, this isn't someone who seems to be struggling for a few quid. This subscription revenue is side hustle money for a seemingly perfectly lucrative day job. And I realise that the price of content on the internet has largely been considered free, and this is wrong. These creator-owned subscription models offer a wonderful opportunity for this to change, and one would hope that by building this economy around content, where people get paid, good things will happen. Hopefully, for a broader group of people, not just those well-known internet celebrities that are already doing rather well. But still, I wondered if there is an opportunity for keeping content free, especially if you have a business that can support it. Attention is like land. They ain't making any more of it. And will this open up some available attention? Is there an audience priced out of subscribing or not inclined to subscribe looking for other free content to consume? In B2B marketing, we've always had the debate about what to put behind a registration page. Should you allow your audience access to the good stuff, trusting that they will return when they're interested and make themselves known to you? Or do you risk any engagement and trust you've developed to shake them down for an email address right now and notch them up as a new contact or MQL on your scorecard? To me, this feels a bit like that. Should you rush to monetize, exclude a chunk of your audience in the process, or is there an opportunity here for quality content creators to build something deeper with the majority who aren't the subscribing type, especially if content publishing is not your primary business and you can support offering content for free. The success of Gary Vernercek has been widely attributed to him finding content channels that were undervalued, getting in early and capturing that cheap attention. And there could be cheap attention from the consumer of free content. If you read Seth Godin in his book, This Is Marketing, he talks about how Joel Spolsky built Stack Exchange, a community platform where people ask questions and get answers. His platform became successful, while its competitor, Experts Exchange, provided a frustrating model that hid the answers until you subscribed as premium content clamors to get out the cheap seats in coached to sit in first class i think that's how planes work it's been a while the cost of attention drops there is more room back here for good content that happens to be free is there an opportunity for free content that's my thought if you can provide your content for free then maybe you should as there will be an audience out there for it i'd love to know what you think right it's that time of the week it's friday evening and while robert rose took a break this week i thought i'd share this from the archive that might be new to you so here is robert rose my content marketing guru in the bar from july last year evening,
3: Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It's so, so good to see you and hear you. Um, You know, here's the thing. This week, um, Mm -hmm. because uh, we are just on the heels, as it were, of the U.S. Independence Day, I'm drinking something called the Watermelon Margarita, um, which when you make it, turns into a bit of a red, white, and blue um, although quite frankly, I'd make rather be in France right now than the U.S. Right. But um, but right. um that said, yeah, it's a muddled watermelon, a blackberry, lime, and a splash of orange juice, and of course a great wonderful Reposado tequila that I top it off
0: oh with. Oh my god. That 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 sounds great. And like I always say, I'm pretty sure, Robert, that your drinks are probably <laughs> probably very healthy, in actual fact, with all the all the vitamins. I think you would say in there with the, with the muddled stuff. So anyway, I'm going to give that a go as we normally yeah. do every week. So, um, what have I got here? I've got Hendrix gin. Yeah, is that good enough?
3: That's. I think that's close enough That'll to work. Uh, all right, and and a good slug bio. of that, do you
0: think? Okay, maybe a bit more uh, ice. Did you say you, you did mention ice?
3: That's a double. That sounds like you poured there.
0: Mm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit free with this gin, aren't I? Maybe <laughs> I just, maybe I just put less of that other stuff that you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a little watermelon, ice.
3: blackberry, lime. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Okay. Let's have a look at that. I've got some. Um, oh, this this tonic smells very similar. <laughs> <laughs> I should put a bit more tonic in, shouldn't I? <laughs> Otherwise, the rest of this I conversation
3: is going to go perfect. bad. yes. It's a perfect substitute.
0: <laughs> Let me see what that tastes like. Oh, that's very nice, Robert. That is very nice. And I didn't quite get the red, white, and blue effect, unfortunately. Mine's, uh, no, I, you might mine's not. You clear. might not with the
3: tonic. The tonic, I mean, you'll have the white there, I suppose. Yes,
0: yes absolutely, I, I do. And I, I guess the white symbolizes something rather good.
3: Hmm. Indeed. In, uh, it's a in retina, maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, um so um and what did you call that?
3: I called that the watermelon margarita
0: that's very nice wow. and um and this week, where would we be drinking those? I know we're a little bit more out of lockdown than we have been in previous shows, but still where 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 would you like to go with this one?
3: Oh, uh, you know, there is a place it's funny. I was thinking about this this weekend, um, one of my favorite places on the planet is, of course, Hawaii. And specifically, Kauai, and specifically on Kauai, a place called Hanalei Bay. Wow. We used to rent this little house there on Hanalei Bay and spend a week or so there. And it's just an amazing, wonderful place.
0: Wow! Wow! Well, and um, as we were saying before we started recording about me trying to tell a story that inserts me into this thing. <laughs> I've never been to Hawaii, and the only thing I know about Hawaii is is watching Magnum P.I., so is that anything like it?
3: It's absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> that is the thing about, so so Magnum P.I. and Hawaii Five O are all filmed on Wahoo, uh-huh. which is a wonderful place. I don't want to, you know, put all the... Yeah. Um, put it down or anything but uh Kauai is the so Kauai think of Jurassic Park um in oh, terms wow. of it's the most lush and and uh, of, and it's and it's the oldest of the islands yeah. um certainly of the populated islands and as such it's just you know it's dramatic you know waterfalls and it's got the big pink wow. cliffs and all of that and Hanalei Bay is on the northern edge of that and it's just one of those little tiny calm bays God. where the water is, you know, five feet deep at its deepest and you just, and it's calm and it's beautiful and you step out of your house and you walk onto a white Ah, sand beach and walk into the water. It's just Google pictures of Hanalei Bay and you'll see what I mean.
0: Wow. Yeah, that that sounds amazing. And you, you, I mean, you live somewhere, which is really quite nice anyway, and for you to talk about these places with such you know so, so enthusiastically just goes to show the beauty of these places as well so that's, that's really nice and so um so we're, we're drinking these these wonderful drinks um and uh, overlooking this are we, we're overlooking the beach on with the with the lush forest behind us um what are we chatting about
3: you know the thing that i've been thinking about lately is this idea of Big ideas, right? And mm-hmm. how we can actually start to leverage technology a little better to allow for the time and, and and space of that. You know, I had a a friend of mine, a colleague, way, way, way back, 20 years ago. He was a computer programmer, a coder, um, and he was trying to teach me to code, which didn't stick, of course. <laughs> um, and. The interesting thing was he said to me, you know, something that I've never forgotten. Actually, I've got it, you know, I have it written down in several places because I loved it so much. He said, when you're writing code, basically, you know, in any computer technology, you're doing one of two things. You're either reading data or you're writing data. Mm -hmm. And he said, now, if anything happens in between those two actions, that's all on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was just a really interesting idea because it's sort yeah. of a metaphor for where we yeah. are with marketing technology right now, yeah. Yeah. which is, you know, we're using technology to read faster, to write faster, to do all the things that we do faster and faster. And we just squeeze down this moment of thinking and creativity to this nothingness. Mm-hmm. And we're not leaving a lot of time in there for doing anything interesting. And if anything interesting is going to happen in the in-between times when we use technology, it's all on us. And so if we don't really start to look at that, we're going to let technology sort of drive marketing strategy and just lose a lot of the artistic and creative uh, you know, nature of it. And so I, it's something I've been thinking about lately and one that, you know, as I dive a little deeper into MarTech um, and our sort of over-dependence on it, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm intrigued by it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think um, we've talked about this before, have about finding the time to be creative. Yeah. Um, and, and we get so consumed with setting up the landing pages, with defining the data, with entering the rules and doing all that stuff. The actual copy, the creative that we're sharing, it, 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 you spend a moment on that. Enter content here is the old refrain, isn't it, from from the yeah. old content management, from the old website. Hovering
3: there. over the back button, as it were, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And so um, I think um, – yeah, that's a that's a really good thought. So it's it's about us marketers putting our creative brains in the middle of this thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's it's allowing ourselves, it's giving ourselves the time to start balancing some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, in our in our daily work, you know, it's it we get so lost in the idea of being busy and equating yeah. busy with productive yeah. that we we forget the fact that you know as marketers as communicators, one of the things that makes us most productive is the size of our ideas.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, you've heard me bang on about the hamster wheel of marketing, right? Is that that's, that's, it right there. That's it right there. Well, that's a fabulous thought. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Um, is it something you've written about on your blog?
3: Uh, it has indeed. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. That's yes. all right. yeah. Which of course you can find at contentadvisory.net. net. Splendid. And where can people find you? Uh, you know, I'm all over social media. Um, I have, um, you know, successfully garnered <laughs> my fair share of the Google search, <laughs> as they call them, um, uh, as the kids call them these days. So, uh, Robert underscore Rose on Twitter. And if you're on LinkedIn, just search and you'll find me. I'm easy to find.
0: Splendid. Well, thank you for joining me, Robert.
3: Thank you. <laughs> See you next week.
0: Hope you enjoyed that dip into the archive with Robert. Classic advice there. And just goes to show how little this show has changed as 52 episodes later, I'm still making gin and tonics. So that's a wrap on episode 70 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marty Podcast. Thanks again to Keith and Robert. I really appreciate the time and sharing their insight. You can find all their details in the show notes at rockstarcmo.fm where you can also find all our previous episodes. <laughs> And most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcast and jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. Let me know what you think, especially with this slight changing format. Please leave a review or a rating or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I'm delighted to have B2B marketer and friend of the podcast, Dennis Schauer, back on the show. And hopefully, Robert will return to his normal seat at the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM.
3: You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy.